Hey, I'm your host, Cyrus Slayman, and welcome to another episode of PM Hub Podcast Series, where we feature product leaders across the tech industry in the Canadian space. In this episode, I'll be having a fireside chat with Lee Garrison, who's a product leader with over two decades of experience about product management history and trends in the Canadian tech industry. Lee is a longtime contributor and advocate in growing the PM community in GTA area. He is a director on the board of TPMA, startup advisor, mentor, and consultant. Lee, thanks for joining us today. Do you mind kicking off our talk uh, and tell us a little bit more about how you got into the field? My thinking around product management goes back to long before I was ever a product manager. Um, and it probably started in university. Um, I was very interested in science and, um, and life sciences in particular. Um, but I also did quite a bit of, of humanities. And, um, and in my first year, I took a, you know, one of the basic philosophy one-on-one courses type of thing. And, and that just blew me away. Like I, I thought, wow, this is really interesting. Like to actually think about how to think, right? Mm-hmm. How to logically solve a problem. Um, and, um, and that, that sort of became, uh, a, a lifelong fascination for me between how do we, you know, how do we use technology to help humans? Uh, but more specifically, how do we, um, look at the way we're solving problems? So we don't just, we don't just solve a problem, but we actually observe, we think about solving the problem. And so not to get too philosophic, but, but that was what kind of got me really excited. And, um, right on. um, and when I, when I, uh, after I graduated, I, I, um, actually, uh, was curious about computers. Um, you know, PCs had just sort of been relatively new and, um, this was back in the DOS days. Um, right <laughs> remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, so I, uh, I started a, a software company with a friend of mine, um, so I was a co-founder and, uh, and I really quickly learned, uh, that, and I, I guess I realized that I had no idea how to build a business. So, yeah, I mean, I'd worked in, you know, sort of on and off through university and stuff, but, but, uh, I really, uh, you know, we, we plugged away at it. And after about 18 months of, you know, sort of mediocre growth and success, I, I decided, okay, I, I need to go work for somebody who knows how to run a business and learn how you build a business. Uh, and then I could do it again myself. Right. But I, pre- I was pretty sure that I wanted to stay in software. That, that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so I ended up, uh, working for uh, Alias Research, which was one of the early 3D graphics companies in the Unix space. But I was working on the marketing team, uh, uh, doing a lot of the channel marketing um, with, you know, through, for distributors and, and the dealers and stuff like that. Um, and um, we had a very successful IPO, uh, and that got me even more excited about technology because I thought, wow, you can have a lot of fun, you can travel, and you can make some decent money. So, Why not? so it was, it was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and I ended up, um, after that working in the IBM lab, uh, again with the marketing team for DB2, which is the database product and the C compiler. Uh, 
Right. Um, so pretty technical. Um, and that's, you know, I love that because it appealed to my, the science side of me. Um, but uh, it seemed like a lot of stuff at that time, a lot of stuff got built in the lab and then sort of thrown over the wall. And we were told, you know, okay, go figure out who needs this or who, who we can sell it to, right? And, and it struck me that, it, I remember thinking at the time, it's backwards, like something's, something's not right about this. Like it, we need to be applying technology to solve a problem as opposed to just, you know, doing technology for its own sake. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, I didn't know at that time that it was called product management. Um, but I started to get the idea that, okay, there had to be a different way of doing this. Um, and so um, my first product management job was actually with a, a small uh, private company called KL Group. Um, and this was where I met Saeed as well. Um, and it was a funny story because I, I got, I applied for a job as a channel marketing manager. Right. Um, and after a couple of interviews, the CEO and co-founder, Greg Kiesling, um, said to me, he said, I'm not going to hire you as a channel marketing manager. And of course my heart fell. Um, he said, but I do want you to think about uh, being the product manager for our new Java product line. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, uh, I don't know very much about Java and I certainly have no idea what product managers do. Right. <laughs> so, but I think I got hired because I knew how to, you know, uh, build a business. Like I had, learned at that point, you know, I'd seen a number of business environments. And so I really learned how to, what the moving parts were. Um, and so, um, so, uh, I, um, uh, Saeed and I very quickly figured out what do product managers do? And, um, we discovered the pragmatic marketing group and right. they had just started, they were relatively new. And, um, and, and, and so, you know, we became early adopters of the pragmatic framework and and I've used that pretty much my whole career or at least parts of it yeah right um, but when I look back on it I, I realize now that you know probably the most important success factor was that Greg our CEO and co-founder was a real advocate he was a very strong advocate for market-driven uh, not technology driven product um, and so uh, so we really like we were, that was a dream team. Like there was a great bunch of people there, you know, um, Alan Armstrong came on board who, who, uh, you know, was the, the founder of the TPMA originally. Right. Um, amazing guy. And, and just, uh, you know, uh, somebody that I think contributed a lot to the community over the years. Um, Saeed, of course. Um, so we really had a, an amazing team there and, um, I kind of, you know, I built up, like I spent, seven years there um i progressed to vp and had uh product management uh marketing like product marketing and uh business development uh under me and um had a team of oh, probably 20 people at, at its at its you know peak um uh building a, a portfolio of products and um and very successful i mean we we you know we uh we ended up being acquired by uh, Quest Software in the U.S. Um, and and it, at the time, it was the I think it was the uh, the largest uh, acquisition of a Canadian company that was privately held and bootstrapped. So we had no outside money. We we'd grown 
on our own steam. And, um, and so, uh, and they acquired us for the product portfolio. That was it. I mean, they, you know, I mean, they were in growth mode, but, but it fit their, their portfolio. And so it ended up being a great success. Um, Absolutely. So question right there, Lee, when, when you first started and then you got the job at the, as a PM, and you mentioned that you, you, it was yourself and Said, and you wanted to figure out what this whole PM thing is about. Mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine back in the days, there was not a lot of blog posts out there. Like how did you, and you said pragmatic marketing came out. So how did this whole education side came out to be for you? So we, I had, when I was at Alias, I had worked with a guy named Peter Goldie on the marketing team. And he um, had been a brand manager at Procter & Gamble. Uh, I'm not sure what for, maybe Tide or something, you know, mundane like that. Um, but, uh, but he came to the team at Alias with a really uh, strong understanding of how do, you, how do you build and brand a product, right, from a consumer packaged goods standpoint. Um, but clearly, you know, as Saeed and I got into it, we realized, okay, the product management has actually got a long history in the consumer packaged goods area called brand management or program management, things like that. But this is a little different in technology, right? So it, some of the principles are similar, but, but it's going to be different. Um, and so that was kind of where we started. And, and when we ran into pragmatic, um, you know, they were really able, they had already really kind of built out that frame, initial framework anyway. And, and that was like an epiphany for us. It was like, Oh my God. Okay. And there's a roadmap. I can see, you know, how you go from a problem to a market space to, you know, developing the product and then taking it to market. Right. Um, so that, that kind of thing, uh, had a big influence on us. Um, but, but, you know, we also, like we always say, you know, product management is an accidental profession, right? <laughs> you know, most of us, nobody goes to university for product management, right. at least not up until now. That's, right. um, that's changing, fortunately. Um, but, you know, we come from lots of different areas. And so, um, so we all bring, you know, some unique perspectives to it. Um, and, you know, Saeed and I were, are by, both by nature very curious people. So, you know, so we were really interested in figuring that out as quickly as we could. Wouldn't you say like having different perspectives, uh, you know, brings a strength. That's like an, a strength for the whole field itself because you haven't been through the same channel of education. You all have these different perspectives, backgrounds coming in together. And to me, that's just like, that's like a true diversity. And like, that's like, that could have a lot of impact of how it feels going to be shaped with the, you know, people in the industry from different backgrounds. Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah, no. And that, and that goes back to, you know, my undergraduate kind of philosophy stuff, which is, um, is the humanities approach, which is that it's actually important. I mean, it's important to have specialists and stuff that are experts, but it's also important to have multidisciplinary perspective. Right. Um, And, and I think that's, you know, we can talk about it a little later, but I think that's one of the, really magical things that's happening in, in, in the profession right now is that we're working with a broader set of, of, you know, experts and, and, and disciplines, professions in a multidisciplinary product team, you know, so you have the designers, you have the, the engineers, um, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's the, the marketing people and, and so it's really become a much bigger and more rich, uh, you know, sort of teamwork uh, 
sport. <laughs> so right, right on. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So after so after that, I um, I mean, I I've did consulting for quite a long time. I was part of a small boutique uh, group called Riverdale Partners, and I got to work on tons of different projects. So I really got to see product in a lot of different environments, both small companies and big companies and everything in between different industries. Um, and so, uh, you know, I became, I think I really learned how to be very practical, um, pragmatic in a sense, right? Um, and because, because I was coming in as a consultant and there was a specific problem and we needed to solve that and in as short a time as possible, right? right. And my philosophy was always that, you know, I, I wanted to solve the problem, but I also wanted to transfer the knowledge and the learning back to the team. So I didn't, I didn't want to be a consultant who said, oh, you, here's your file of strategy, goodbye, you know, but actually wanted to spend time hands-on working with the team, implementing it, practicing the craft, and, and then know from experience what works, right? Um, and so that was very rich for me. I think that really helped a lot in, in broadening my perspective. Right, and this is still early 2000s, right, Lee? Um, no, I was at, let's see. So I did, um, I was at Two Cows for a while as a VP there with a large team. Uh, I went and worked for a while at Xenos, which was a small public company that was in bad shape and needed a turnaround. And, and we did that in a year, um, largely based on product, um, product strategy. Uh, and then the consulting, so I probably, yeah, I probably started at Riverdale in like 2005 or six, something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. And what, what was the, still at that point, I, I can imagine there was no scrum methodology. So there was still waterfall, right? Uh, pretty much. It was starting to emerge. Um, you know, that was, um, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, it was slow to be adopted and recognized in product management. So, I mean, I can remember back in, probably it was as late as 2009 or 10 before we actually had, you know, sort of just topics in meetings or articles about, you know, what does agile mean to product management? Because, you know, right. so, you know, the agile team, the development teams were starting to figure out agile and, and, you know, and then the product manager would go, well, okay, what does that mean to product management? You don't have to write requirements. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, wrong. Yeah, guess, that's yeah. right. So, uh, so it's pretty funny. It took a while, but you know, now of course we look back on it and it seems like, you know, agile lean has been here forever, but it hasn't actually. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And then in terms of uh, when you mentioned you were a consultant and you had to work on specific problems and bring it back to the team, that's very interesting. So you not only had to figure out the uh, solution to a problem, but you had to kind of like bring back some sort of a framework to your team as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And how yeah, is that fact, changing? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that was, I mean, that was what I learned from pragmatic was the importance of a framework and a methodology because ultimately you're trying to make this, the process repeatable and scalable. Right. And so when you solve a problem for a team, it's not like a, just a one off. It's like, okay. Cause usually, you know, that presenting problem is actually a symptom of some underlying root cause that, that needs to be, that's more systemic and needs to right. be, Pro, you know, uh, developed into a more rigorous process that's repeatable and that sort of thing. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I ended up being, I guess, you know, maybe a, more of a student of frameworks and methodologies, right. And, and how, 
you know, how could you really use them in a practical sense, not just as theory. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a very different kind of uh, product management back in the days than now. Right now, there's tons of frameworks out there. There's a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, opinions out there. But then back in the day, you had to come, kind of come up with your own, which is very interesting. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, and that's, you know, a lot of what I do now is sort of give back to the community, especially in the startup space. Yeah, um, tell us about that. Because So I, I joined Mars as an advisor about, I guess, a year and a half ago or so. And, um, and it was, uh, you know, after my last startup, um, uh, the Magent- with the Magentrix guys, um, I, I really felt strongly that the Toronto startup community, as it was growing, needed to understand uh, how to manage product. Because, you know, so many founders and entrepreneurs were starting businesses and, and building technology for its own sake and then trying to find, you know, a market for it. Right. And, uh, and there's just so much risk with that. And so, you know, at Mars, we're really focused on reducing the risk for those ventures by helping them to um, adopt uh, methodologies that are proven and approaches you know, product is not just about throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. There is actually a process to figuring out what is needed, right? What will people buy uh, or what will solve the problem? Um, so that's, that's what I spend a lot of time on now is, yeah, is, is and, and interestingly, some of the frameworks and methodologies are changing, right? I mean, we've learned and we adapt. I mean, so not unsurprising, but, but Pragmatic Marketing, who is now Pragmatic Institute, I think is on their maybe fourth iteration of the framework. So that's right. good. That's a well, good thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've been involved in startups before and I know how exciting it is as a founder to, you know, focus on the solution and not the problem itself and just jump right in and try to kind of bring your product to the market right? without spending enough time, you know, on the problem space to figure out, is this actually a problem? You yeah. think it's a problem, but is it actually a problem? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, a lot of stuff I work on with the Mars clients is around product market fit. You know, like you, you really need to understand and have some validation that your solution actually does solve the problem before you start to invest in scale in the organization, you know? Of course. Um, and so when I see, you know, when I see early stage startups hire salespeople, I'm just like, ah. <laughs> you know, like you, you, you're, it's not going to, solve the you're just going to sell a lot more to the wrong people so right. interesting <laughs> yeah of course uh, so how would you say like uh, you know right now you're an advisor uh, to startups but let's say at the startup team the, the founding members uh how early would if they want to recruit team members at what stage do you think they, they need to bring on a pm on their team uh good question um actually i think i had a yeah, I had a really interesting discussion with one of the one of the uh, people at uh, Martin Bassett and Associates. Um, it, a lot of people probably know Heidi Ram, but um, but anyway, they they we, they uh, did an interview with me on exactly that question, huh. and, uh, and 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 uh, wrote it up in a blog. You can look it up sometime. But but the gist of it is that you know in in founders and entrepreneurs are the de facto first product manager, right? But a lot of them don't know that there's a methodology or process to, to figuring out what to build. Right? And, um, and so, uh, so they end up, if they end up successfully doing it, um, 
or building their MVP, um, then there comes a point at which they're starting to scale the company and they as a, as a, as a CEO or founder really have to focus on growing the company, right? They're hiring people, they're talking to investors, like they can't participate in daily product scrums, right? And you, they start to see that they're slipping away from that, they're losing control of it, right? And if they don't bring in somebody to do that, then the product suffers. And that's really, you know, a, a, a danger. It's a big risk for the organization. So, but it's, it's obviously an emotional, you know, uh, challenge too for a lot of them because the product is their baby, right? And they don't necessarily want to hand it over to somebody else. Um, so, but that, I still think that, I mean, other than strong developers and designers who can help you build the MVP to validate that product manager is actually one of the most important early hires or that product manager perspective, right? That skill, whether you call them product manager or not, is irrelevant, but somebody that understands that there is a process to discovery and experimentation and testing and iteration and, you know, building it out and validating it. Right. Um, And, you know, and that's, that should come long before you hire salespeople or marketing people, you know, that all that stuff comes later. Once you've validated, now, you know, you can start to scale. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Great. So yeah. Thanks for walking us through your experience, Lee. Uh, Now in terms of like the whole landscape, because I don't uh, personally know a lot of people with your experience in this space uh, in the Toronto space for the PM. So like the whole, I'd say if you want to speak to Toronto or Canada, the whole product management landscape, how have you seen it evolve? Like, you know, since early 2000s up until Mm. now. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. I think um, um, probably, I mean, we could talk about this forever, but, um, but to, you know, sort of summarize it or encapsulate it into a couple of key points. I think, you know, there's probably, um, uh, there's a couple of key milestones, I think, or trends that, shifted. Um, obviously, the first one is, um, you know, is from a very waterfall oriented environment, where, you know, product management was thought of as a linear process. So you kind of go step one, step two, and you go through those steps, and eventually you launch the product, right. Um, and, and product managers, you know, when Saeed and I started were pretty much individual contributors, like you own the process, right. And um, and you know you had to write the requirements and uh, you know work with you know do a contract with the development team and you know manage that sort of thing but but still like you know when I was at alias this was long before so it was even earlier but our development cycles were like 18 months wow. you know and so you know you'd have a team of 40 developers working on something for 18 months and there's millions of dollars of investment right and, and when you go to launch this, everybody's praying like, oh my God, I hope this works. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, we've come a long way from there. But, um, but you know, it, it was still, I think product, you know, product manager was really the kind of owner of the process, right? Um, and, and to some extent, they still should be, but, but in a much more collaborative team approach now, right? Um, and I, I hate to say it, but, you know, even even though I had a different philosophy about working, you know, with multidisciplinary approaches, it was still the case, you know, early on in, in my career as a product manager that, yeah, we would write the requirements 
basically deliver it to the development team. They'd sit down and write the specs and there was some discussion, but not a lot, you know, uh, and certainly no discussion about, okay, how could we test this or how could we design a, an experiment to validate it? You know, that kind of right. thing. Right. So, um, so that's obviously something that's gone through a huge transition. And of course, a large part of that has been the adoption of lean and lean methodologies and agile. Right. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, I think product, product management has been a little slower to move to that perspective, kind of, you know, development teams did it, you know, with varying degrees of success, of course. Um, but product was kind of kicking and screaming along the way. <laughs> like, how do we work with this? Like, you know, we can't re write requirements like this, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, but, uh, but that's changed. And, um, and I think for the better, of course. Yeah. Um, another, I think another key um, sort of change over the years has been the understanding of product as a, as a, um, a role that a very critical role that aligns the different parts of the organization to the common business objective. Right. And so, you know, it used to be like, we used to think about product as okay, product, right? This is what it was features and that kind of stuff. Right. And, and now we're, I think we're much more um, attuned to uh, product business objectives, but the only way we're going to get there is to align the different parts of the organization to go in the same direction towards those objectives. And that, that has become, a very strong role for product. And so, and I think that's one of the contributors to why uh, product management has become more widely uh, acknowledged and accepted as a critical role. Um, you know, I mean, 20 years ago, there was no such thing as a chief product officer, right? Like that was, you know, product didn't sit at the executive table. <laughs> right. If anybody, it was the CTO, right? Right. Um, and, uh, and now look at, you know, now we have, chief product officers who, you know, are, are at the table, you know, uh, contributing and adding value because product is such a key part of the, of the strategy and the objectives, achieving the objectives. The last one that, that's really, that's really noticeable and, and I've paid a lot of attention to is the, is the emphasis on the discovery portion of the process and this idea that, um, you know, if we're not going to be technology driven, we're going to be market driven, then we really have to deeply understand the problem we're trying to solve, right? And, you know, like Steve Blank says, fall in love with a problem, not your solution. And that's hard for human beings, right? It's hard because we're uncomfortable with uncertainty, you know? And so, so somebody tells you, I, I tell people this frequently, you know, somebody tells you, a friend tells you, oh, I got this terrible problem, blah, 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 blah. And it'd be, you, you jump in and you say, oh, I know what you should do. You should do this, this, and this, and this. And that'll help. That'll solve it, right? Like, how often do you hear somebody ask more questions about, oh, help me understand the problem more. Like, you know, okay, let's talk about this a bit and get deeper into it. Yeah, it doesn't happen often. The old, you know, the old Toyota five whys, right? Yeah. To get to the root cause, right? And, and then you know, the, the magic, I suppose, because it's the only way I can think of it, is that when you have that really deep understanding of the problem and the impact of it, coming up with innovation and solutions is way easier just because you know what, what you're addressing, right? 
Um, and so, um, so that's really exciting. And I think that, you know, this, this science, the application of a more scientific method on the process has really, really been helpful because, um, you know, we used to just try stuff, right? Um, and, and now we know that it's about examining assumptions and building hypothesis and then modifying, you know, the, 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 the assumption or the, you know, or the, the belief. Right. Right. Um, and so, um, so all of that to me is contributing towards a more disciplined profession, a repeatable and scalable process. Right. As opposed to this ad hoc stuff that's very, you know, has more of a frontier mentality. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. So just a quick follow question just came to my mind. Uh, I was reading, and that's because you have this startup uh, experience and also you've been in the product PM field for such a long time. Uh, I remember I was reading once uh, that uh, Henry Ford once said, if I would have asked people, what would you want? They would have, they would have said, I want a faster horse. <laughs> so <laughs> so what if, what, how would you see like, uh, you know, this whole human centric design and kind of approach to problems for products that has not, been there before it's a kind of kind of a new uh invention and like you know in, innovation in the market yeah that's a great question and, and we have that debate all the time right like how, if customers don't know what they need or want how can you why would you ask them right, right? so that leaves you more to leads you more to the steve jobs approach which is i'm creative i know i'll figure it out right and they don't even know they need it yet right, right. um <clears throat> but um but in actual, in, in actual fact, I think there's a subtle uh, misunderstanding about that. And, and, and because when we talk to customers, the purpose is not to find out what solution they want. That's, that you're going down the wrong path there because you're, you're leading the witness, right? You're letting the witness tell you what the truth is, right? And most of the time they don't know. It's, you know, it's the old, uh, oh, uh, I just want this red box that says submit on the lower right hand corner and it has to be this shade RGB, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and, and as a product person, you know, your first question would be why? Like, what are you trying to solve? Right? So, so this, this notion that we shouldn't ask customers about uh, what they need is sort of right, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't talk to customers you should talk to customers about what are they trying to achieve? What's the problem that they're trying to solve, right? Not talk about solutions, right? Just stay with the problem and deeply understand the problem and their motivations behind it. Then you can start to present possible innovations and solutions for them. Things that they might not have otherwise even ever thought about. Right. Um, so, so that to me, that's the, that's the, the argument is yes, you have to keep, talking to customers, that's the most important thing you need to do. And it's to get, it's to have empathy of what problem they have, right? Absolutely, yeah, no, it's very interesting to keep it in the middle while having your, you know, very futuristic might be uh, out of the box solutions, but you mm -hmm. still need to talk with uh, your potential customers to understand their that's needs right. better. That's Absolutely. right, yeah. Just one last question I had. Yeah. Uh, about now we spoke about you know your journey so far as as a product uh, leader for the past two decades or so and also talked about the trends and you know Toronto and the landscape of the product management now my last question is like the future 
of product management you know mm. how do you see it especially specifically in toronto evolving in the future and what what to look out for yeah yeah that is important and i i, I like yeah i'd like to bring it back to the local kind of community as well what's what's different here than than in other parts of the world perhaps um uh and i think the you know the issue and this may be true in some other areas other uh, regions as well but but we see it a lot in toronto and that's that as product management has gained more respect and credibility as a as a key role um, there's and our startup and, and tech community has grown significantly there's been a huge demand for product managers right uh, and the issue is there isn't enough supply of people who have experience so there's lots of people that want to get into the profession because it's very popular and there's a demand for it and stuff but the reality is that to be a, a, a good product manager to add value you have to bring some experience to it right and so the dilemma that we're addressing with the associate, the professionals, do you encourage people to come into the profession and give them the experience so that then they can start to add value, right? Um, and that's a big challenge. It's because um, I know, like, you can go take a pragmatic course or a brain station course or something else. And, and you know, you can learn the theory fairly quickly, right? Um, but what makes you a good and effective product manager is, is, that, is some of that experience. Um, and it's, you know, how much is different for different people, but, but it, you know, the reality is you learn by practicing the craft and you become an expert by practicing the craft, not just by theoretical learning. Um, and so, so we really need, I think over the next couple of years to develop the community into an ecosystem that has the ability to support people in the product management role to get the experience they need to add value. Right. Um, and you're starting to see a little bit of that in some places like the APM, the, the associate product manager program and, uh, and some other things We're you know, we're working with some of the universities like the MBA programs on, on internships and, uh, right. you know, places where, uh, you know, where they can add value. And of course, for many years at the TPMA, we've run a huge mentorship program where we pair up, you know, young product managers with, with more senior leaders. Uh, and that's been very successful. So, so more of that I think is needed. Um, um, and, and I think we're going to see more disciplinary product team approach, which right. is great. I, I think that's, that's done a lot to take away the, the conflicts between development and product or development and marketing, that kind of stuff. And, they, and they're working much better to, today than, than they have in the past. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, here in Toronto, um, I'd love to see, uh, I mean, ultimately I'd love to see product management have a kind of professional designation. I right. don't know what that, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but, but it's, it's just, it's part of professional credibility. Right. And it, it's taken engineers a long time to get there. Right. But, right. but they have that, you know, sort of repeatable process or approach and, and methodology and discipline. Um, that I think would be great for product management. Um, so, uh, so I think you know we're we're seeing a great community here in Toronto, um, and especially right now in this in this you know difficult time, uh, the community has come together very fast and is really working well together. Um, 
uh, and I, I just, I'm praying that, you know, as we come through this, as we come out of it, that there will be lots of opportunities for, for product managers to contribute in great, in, in helping rebuild companies. Um, cause, cause a lot of them have lost their jobs. Right. And yeah. it's pretty tough. Um, but hang in there and, uh, you know, rely on the community. The, the you know, the, the network is there to support, uh, everybody. And, uh, right it comes down to the relationships that you've built um and that you can uh tap into for for ideas and creativity and learning but you can also lean on for support when you need it and uh and that's critical to everybody so that's awesome those that's are awesome. my thoughts awesome thanks for sharing it Lee. and uh sure how can our guests get in touch with you lee uh, certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm happy to, you know, initiate conversations there and then move them somewhere else. But, uh, but I'm on Twitter at Lee Garrison. Um, and uh, uh, you can follow our at product AMA meeting for the next couple of weeks, at least. We'll see if it goes beyond that. Uh, and you can find me at least for a while still uh, on the TPMA site. I'm uh, part of the board of directors there. So absolutely. Um, yeah. And I'd love to hear from people. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for being my guest, Lee, and I really appreciate your time. Well, thanks for tuning into another podcast on PM Hub, guys. I just want to also say that given the current COVID-19 situation, uh, we'll be having these you know, online podcasts and Q&As with our guests for the foreseeable future. So make sure to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at PMHubTO to stay in touch. Until next time, see you then. Cheers.